0: Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordics Podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the Nordics region to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Hannah, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers in the digital design market. Today, I'm joined by Anders, Amir, Alex, and Adrian, and we'll be discussing balancing creative freedom to innovate with striving for corporate plans and ambitions. What happens when those two things don't align? But before we delve any deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room for some brief introductions. Anders, do you want to kick us off?
1: Uh, hi, I'm Anders. I'm a design and product development consultant, and I used to be a director of user experience in uh, Danabert Street, uh, Europe.
0: Thank you for that, Anders. Amir, can you tell us a bit about yourself?
1: Yes, of course. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure
2: to be here, and thank you, Hannah, for putting this together. My name is Amir, and I've been working as a product designer for uh, almost eight years now. Uh, I currently work within the FinTech industry at Klarna, And before that, uh, I was more focused on uh, retail and e-commerce. I was working at H&M and Tulip back in Toronto where I moved uh, from. Uh, So I've been here in Stockholm for almost two years. And um, let's see, I'll talk about a bit of my hobbies as well. Um, You know, I uh, enjoy cooking. I know Anders does as well. Uh, And I try to go on hikes every now and then, uh, but now it's getting a bit too cold and dark, uh, so I try to, you know, find some other activities. Um, I hear gaming is very popular in Stockholm, so maybe I'll delve into that. Um, But um, yeah, and one fun fact, my Spotify unwrapped was, adventurer so i'm gonna go with that for the new year so uh, yeah i think that's a bit about me
0: that's really fun i love i love that you put the uh, spotify fact in there thank you for that that's all we've been talking yeah. about in the office this last week <laughs> alex can you tell us a little bit about yourself
3: uh yeah hi everybody uh i'm alex lakwarty and i'm the marketing and communication lead at conversionista uh we are the nordics leading growth and experimentation consultancy firm and um, was going to think about something interesting to share. But as you mentioned, Spotify, I can share an interesting fact is that I actually don't have a Spotify account. Uh, Yeah, I can see uh, the the listeners can't see, but a lot of the eyes widened. Uh, Uh So maybe uh, Spotify needs to work on luring me to uh, pay for their subscription. But yeah, super nice to be here and looking forward to the conversation.
0: Thank you, Alex. That was indeed a very interesting fact. You may be the only person I know without a Spotify account. Adrian, can you top us with anything more shocking than that? (laughs) Uh,
4: I don't know, I don't know, it's pretty hard. First of all, thank you, Hannah, for inviting me and setting this up. Um, Right, I'm Adrian, I am Lead Experience Designer at PwC Experience Consulting in Stockholm. Um, Fun fact, fun fact, Uh, yes, I'm a climber and a parkour parkour practitioner. Oh, wow. So that's actually one of the the first, maybe 15 years ago, uh, when it was a very, very, very small.
0: Nice, nice. And do you still practice it at all?
4: No, I'm too old for that. (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs)
0: think... um...
4: The the parkour version for adults.
0: Okay. What's the parkour version for adults? Just running, just...
4: (laughs) just me.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you so much for that, guys. So now that we've established a little bit of context for each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. So you all have your own questions or statements that we've discussed prior to the podcast um, that we're going to bring into this conversation about balancing creative freedom and corporate goals. But I think a really good point to start us off is a point that And has raised when we were speaking sometime last week, Um, and his thoughts on what we can actually do when creativity and corporate goals are not aligned. This is something that he's had some personal experience in himself with some projects that he's worked on in the past, Um, and he has now got the experience of working in more invested permanent roles and in that kind of freelance and startup sort of situation. So quite a breadth of experience in in this area. Um, Anders, can you expand on that a little bit more for us?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, is there truly a contradiction between creativity and corporate plans? And if so, how can we make it uh, basically disappear? Uh, In companies, if this is a problem, then it's important to understand why. Uh, There there can be seen to be a gap between um, designers, UX designers, product designers, and decision makers in the in the company and basically you can't really have that uh i mean we can go into consequences of that uh, later on but basically you don't reach the best possible results for the company and you have people uh, developers and uh, designers uh, eventually leaving because they will not be happy mm. uh, in the long term so uh I I think I will say this a little bit later. I want to get the word from you, uh, guys, from the t- table on this first. Uh, uh, if you have seen troubles like this, I have seen troubles like this, and I have uh, I want to introduce a little bit later three ways to uh, basically uh, address it. There are other ways, but I have three ways that we have seen uh, in practical reasons to how we can actually uh, mitigate this sort of uh, situations. But have you seen uh, have you seen uh, co- this sort of contradiction in, in, in your roles?
0: Yeah. Yep. Amir, I'm just gonna interject here. I know this is something that you have some personal experience in. I'm wondering if you can share in your experiences what maybe you think has been some of the, the causes of this contradiction that Anders is talking about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, n- I believe, um, you know, just in very general terms, uh, there might be. Two major factors. One could be external and internal. Um, I'm going to talk a bit about the external factors um, and give you an example. Um, So, um, you know, sometimes uh, within the the way that the business and the industry moves, you see a lot of influence on the way the products are built. And um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, for example, uh, we saw a lot of companies in communications, in um, remote working, in collaborative tools, rushing and trying to solve a problem that um, was not solved before. Uh, That, I think, fueled a lot of creativity. That demanded a lot of Action and uh, innovation, and Mm. uh, I experienced that firsthand as well uh, at Tulip, which was an e-commerce retail company solving for um, providing a software for luxury brands to run their stores. Uh, We had to come up with a way to uh, use the time of fashion advisors, who were used to be providing you know support to customers on the floor. Um, and enabled them to con- continue to do that from their home. And um, that definitely drove the team to be extremely creative. Um, and thankfully, the business side of things uh, aligned with that, because that meant that we would you know, generate a lot of value for the company. Um, but at the same time, now, the other external factor that, you might have noticed with all the many companies doing layoffs is the inflation and sort of the um, higher uh, cost of borrowing. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like um, that a lot of companies are starting now to uh, prioritize business over product. And you see a lot of decisions uh, are being driven through business and not product. And the way that might impact Designers, is that um, we we don't really sometimes get a say uh, in that situation where um, the priority becomes being profitable rather than providing a good solution. Mm,
0: Yeah. It sounds a lot like maybe in those circumstances, the people who are in the power of the finance and making those decisions are maybe looking at a fairly kind of short term solution financially and possibly not investing in that like the product is more of a a long-term kind of goal aspiration thing to work on right whereas if you can cut a budget somewhere that has a pretty immediate effect not necessarily the better thing in the long term have any of you guys ever had an experience where you feel like you've had to argue the worth of the design do you think that that's something that is a common circumstance for designers Adrian, you you're smiling. You look like you have a, a thought on this.
4: <laughs> I mean, I, I work at PwC. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: uh,
4: so by essence, when when one mention uh, those type of firm or auditing firm, does when I say that I'm designer in those firm, uh, people are like, what? Can you repeat, please? <laughs> um, I, I think even though we are part of the business, it's we need to convince uh, stakeholders. Uh, of the value of uh, design and creativity, uh, and that uh, I think both creativity and corporate goals uh, are complementary. I mm. mean, and creativity is to we have to keep in mind that creativity is not only on the design table. Uh, it's not about around product, but you can have an accountant that uh, actually uh, deals with number in creative ways. Uh, mm. So I think it also depends on what's the the, the the definition of creativity uh, that yeah, that we are talking here, and in what context? Uh, sorry, I, I kind of lost a bit the, the thing, but so yes, I, I think it's a, it's a constant battle with everything you need you you have in life. You need to uh, you need to demonstrate how this has value, uh, mm. the context that you're in. Yeah, in this context, uh, an economic process.
0: How do you think that designers and design leads can go about um, quantifying the value of having a good design process and putting the space to be creative and innovative in the process of developing something? How do you think that we can try and start to quantify that so that we can show to people who are maybe not that creative the value of it? (laughs) Sorry, Alex, did you did you have an idea on this?
3: No, I can jump in because uh, like, the whole essence of Conversionista is working with CRO. So we work uh, with a lot of stakeholders. We work throughout developers, data analytics, designers, um, everybody basically marketing team, the sales team. And uh, for us, uh, we we are building experiments, basically. And before I uh, worked with uh, CRO, uh, I had lots of ideas. I was like,, oh, I want to start this. i want to I want to grow mushrooms from coffee waste and just uh, go crazy. But uh, the, the more I work with CRO, the more I realized that we like we work uh, with triangulating data. And mm. that means uh, getting quantitative data, um, getting he- heuristics and best practices and qualitative data, and then building uh, and being creative when we have the data in front of us. Mm. then we can build a hypothesis. And I didn't really know what a hypothesis was. I thought it was back when we were at school uh, in science class, but actually basically it's just a structured idea. So when we are talking about uh, creativity, I agree with Adrian that uh, it's not just limited to designers. Uh, I think people in the boardroom uh, can be super creative. Every human being basically can be creative, but when we're actually talking about the industry, it's about educating and persuading others that this is, the, this is the best way to go to improve your product, to improve your services. And like the, the thing that I say, and probably uh, maybe I'm slightly being a spokesperson for our company, is like mm-hmm. you have to be driven by the data. And that doesn't, data and creativity, these they sound like contradictions. But actually, like for, for creativity to work alongside uh, the vision, the mission, and corporate goals, uh, you, you need to be driven by data. Um, so, yeah, i I think it's uh, how you define corporate goals. I think it's how you define creativity, uh but yeah, it's about persuading and educating uh, to make creative changes uh with with data and improving it uh basically, that this design is better or not better. Uh, let's go, let's move forward. Yeah. Sorry that was a bit of a monologue but I uh, felt uh, super inspired uh, from what everyone is talking about.
0: <laughs> no no thank you for that. Um so I'm wondering what would you say if you if you had a friend who was let's say a, a head of UX at a certain company and they would like some funding for a certain project. They think that this project or investing in, you know, more people for this team and stuff like that is going to really help make a better product and therefore be better for the company but they don't necessarily speak business numbers. They don't necessarily know how to do kind of a good in-depth analysis and things like that. Where would you suggest that that person begins in layman's terms, I suppose, to begin to kind of build a case to present to the people in the business who are outside of the design department? That is quite a big question. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Alex, I was, I was directing that at you. Yeah, at sorry, uh,
3: no, no, I, uh, I would start with research, uh, yeah. and presenting your research basically. And, um, and, and the thing that I've been thinking about since, uh, you asking this question a, a few weeks back was, uh, the, the gap between those who are making the, the organizational goals, it's not about the goals, the, like creativity needs, needs goals because you need to work towards something it's about bad corporate culture uh Mm. it's about having a a bad attitude within uh uh, around the boardroom but uh, mainly it's uh, for me it's about communication Mm. and uh if you have the research and you can communicate and educate people bring people with you Mm. um that is that is where you find the balance between being creative driving product growth and um, reaching the goals of the organization if you don't re- reach the goals for the organization uh, you don't you don't achieve growth uh, you might mm. not have uh, your job in the future yeah uh, so there is that that's why we're talking about it today because where's the balance
0: yeah yeah absolutely thank you for that and do you guys feel that there is sometimes a disconnect i know myself with my with my own graphic design background um before i came into recruitment I saw a lot of very young designers who maybe I felt that they had a disconnect between those business goals and what they thought of as kind of the purpose of creativity. And a lot of them throw around the terms, you know, when you're in art school, you hear people say, oh, I don't want to sell out in terms like that. And do you think maybe when they are in school in the first place, we maybe need to do a bit more education on the business side of things? I mean, Adrian and Alex, you guys know each other from Hyper Island, so you probably uh, have have some insight into experiencing this.
4: No, but I mean, you you need to you need to be, of course, aware of the business value of design, and I think that's a uh, it's it, it been kind of a realization for uh, designers. I mean, mm. we have in the industry in the last five seven years uh, quite of a shift in the industry, like uh, where uh designers are, are taken to uh, executive roles they are taken to the boards of meetings and so on the creation of design chief officers for you uh, mm. and so on uh and i think that's uh, that's also something that's not taught to us as designers is how much value our design translates when we create mm. and when we create a product uh, we're talking about billions of dollars, uh, you know, and that's something that at least I haven't been taught at school. Of uh,
0: Yeah. Uh,
4: and as Alex said, uh, at the end of the day, you can be creative, you can create the most wonderful product. If it doesn't uh, work on the market, if it doesn't make money, if it doesn't match the goals, why well, are not profitable? At the end of the day, you want to be paid. You want to eat, right? Uh,
0: yeah. So. That's exactly it. That's why we all uh, turn up to work, or we'd all just be Renaissance painters, right? <laughs> we wouldn't be doing techie product design if we, if we didn't want to get paid for it. But definitely, I think that's something that younger people could be a bit more educated on, that, that business side of things and the value of their own work, exactly as you've just said, is absolutely something that seems to be missing from the curriculum, I think, on a lot of courses. Um, and I
3: I can jump jump in before giving Amir and Anders some space uh, to talk too, but uh, I can just give a personal story about myself. Yeah. that uh, I see myself as an idealist. I uh, I want the world to be perfect. And uh, before um, before uh, working within the industry, I I had a startup, and before that, I was working as an educator. And I'm 34 now, but for several years I was anxious. I was depressed. I was mad about the world. I uh, wanted things to, to be uh, innovative and creative. Why? Why the? Why is the world like this? And I was depressed basically. And uh, and I think there was a slight na- naivety when you are younger, or maybe you're naive when you're older. Uh, maybe maybe it's the other way around. <laughs> but um, it it wasn't until I decided. To actually participate in the uh, uh, business, and uh, in a sense, in I'm, I'm holding up brackets, play the game. I, I didn't actually uh, an influence it from the inside. I became happier. So, mm-hmm. uh, so when I was younger, I always, I want to do creative things. I want to be free. I want to, but at the end of the day, now I have a four-month daughter. I need my salary. Uh, I'm at a wonderful workplace where I get satisfaction from my colleagues and the culture that I'm working at. But if you asked me this six, seven years ago, I would be mad with politics. I would be mad uh, with the world. Uh, so I don't know if it's about growing up, but but it's a sense of like some responsibilities. Uh, don't doesn't necessarily kill your creativity, but maybe put things in perspective. Mm. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to add a little uh, antidote of my uh, my uh, journey from wanting to be super creative into actually now working uh, with, uh, you could say, corporate goals and mm. things
4: like this. But, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that personal anecdote. Go on, Adrian.
4: And I think that's uh, that's about education. You talked about uh, us mm-hmm. educating ourselves into business, but I think it goes also in the other way uh, of us educating the business people, the pro- going against productivity. When is it time to be productive? When is it time to be creative? one without each other is not that powerful to give her uh placing at the right mm. huh? mm. time um, want- ah, sorry
2: go
0: yeah on. absolutely sorry i, I was actually going to uh interject after that quite personal anecdote there alex um amir i know that you have had kind of a, a similar experience in the past where you feel that you know you had you had a problem balancing these two things and then you felt that you kind of shifted your, your own mindset and that was the change that you needed to make to kind of help yourself work through this problem. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, of course, as, you know, Adrian and Alex mentioned, you know, educating um, these stakeholders and also receiving education to understand the means to communicate with stakeholders uh, is mm. crucial to be able to navigate, uh, you know, this work. And um, what you do day to day? And yes, I don't think that is, uh, you know, focused on in school. Definitely not in a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of the, you know, uh, more short format um, educations that we have around design. Uh, there's just not enough time for it. Uh, but I think it's up to design leaders and design mentors to um, establish that. Uh, way of thinking and encourage people to go on and um, learn a bit more uh, about business, learn a bit more about uh, engineering, uh, just understanding how product managers um, prioritize um, the tasks. Uh, I think all of that definitely helps. And -hmm. from my perspective, um, I think what I was having trouble with was Uh, perhaps sometimes understanding um, how complex it can get and how limiting um, sort of the world of fintech especially can get. Uh, When it comes to uh, payments, for example, there are a ton of regulations that you have to comply with. Mm -hmm. And um, that would mean a lot of, sometimes a lot of tedious work. That means a lot of um, restrictions that may not necessarily be any other way around it, um, but what I tried to do to get out of it, I think you know, for me it was a matter of um, guarding my creative uh, flame, if you could say that, and uh, I, I had to start, you know, looking outwards, and I had to uh, take a step back and see where are the places where I can focus on to output my creativity um Mm -hmm. in different ways and detach myself a little from um the constraints that you might see and then you can get re-energized and get back into it and hopefully uh, you'll have the flow again to continue um where you left off
0: yeah yeah definitely and i think there was something that you said in the middle there that reminded me of um something that you said to me when we were discussing the other day that i think resonates with quite a lot of people actually which is that you you said that you felt that maybe there was a layer of context missing that was dividing people in design with people kind of above design and i suppose that is the crux of the issue and it was it was such a good way to phrase it it's just really stuck with me um that that layer of context that divides us actually it is the business education and the value of design education that's kind of separating the two from kind of fully meeting in the middle and um yeah I just thought that was a really a really really good way of phrasing it and as do any of the, the points that we've made over the last gosh 20 minutes <laughs> um do any of those resonate with you said earlier that you had kind of three three ways that you would tackle this problem from kind of experiences that you've had I've been wanting to come back to them, but everybody's been making so many <laughs> good and insightful points.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I love those uh, points, uh, and uh, thank you for the experiences. And I, uh, Alex brought up something that uh, I believe strongly in, uh, and that's, uh, let's call it the scientific method, where you take the time to formulate uh, an hypothesis and then you can either validate that you can prove it or disprove it and then th- that's maybe something that you as a designer learn from school and you kind of you might bang your head against the wall and expect to see evidence of the comp- company you're working in that they're actually uh, working like that uh, as a whole uh, what should we be building what features should we have in the in, in the product and sometimes you might see call it politics uh, that you, you feel that there is politics in the company that basically means that you you're not part of making the decisions uh, someone else is making those decisions and you're kind of uh, you can't really see how they are uh, how they are made are they done in this uh, scientific fashion which you have learned as a designer that's kind of in your genes so yeah for designers you need to uh, man up or I'm oh, sorry about the expression <laughs> uh, Hannah especially okay. <laughs> uh, you have to mature uh, and uh, that's not not all men are mature so that's <laughs> this, this is how wrong that expression is sorry but you have to kind of understand that you as a designer you might have the wrong expectations in, in this situation you have to understand the business a lot more but also uh, there are some ways where you can as a Maybe that's the role of a design leader or someone in, in, in senior uh, design leadership or something to try to change how uh, the, uh, the company is functioning. If, if you can clearly see that you're not, you're not uh, working in the best possible way here, mm. I mean we all know the consequences: unhappy designers that are leaving, unhappy developers. They also will be leaving eventually, and we will not reach the, the goals. So. I was in a situation where uh, so we, we tried three ways, which were, all were successful uh, in in navigating this sort of uh, situation. So, briefly, uh, one way is to have a team that a product team or or a value stream or part of our organization that is willing to undertake an experiment to start working in a scientific way. Where you uh, formulate hypotheses and you actually uh, go out to customers to test them. Uh, and this can be done in in a number of ways. Uh, another situation where you can make it work, uh, where if you can uh, truly embed uh, that, that you need to have the right type of person as rather senior UX designer in a product team, a person that can uh, change the way things work, step by step, uh, workshop by workshop, and then from inside of that uh, uh, cross-functional team, they can can start asking direct questions and and running exercises, and uh, this will take some time. And this is really hard for for someone straight out of school to uh, pull off, I think, because you have the wrong expectations on on how a business uh, might work. But with with the right person and, and an experienced person, then then, uh, then you I think you can get it done if it's if it's a good team with nice people <laughs> <laughs> around you. And and the third way is if you have kind of like a, a uh, like a larger part or organization that's that's run in a uh, more hierarchical fashion where you have expectations that senior managers uh, in product or, or in the organization that they are supposed to be uh, those the, uh, making the decisions and then those decisions should be trickling down. There are also sort of roadmaps and plans and um, you have the fixed the outcomes with fixed dates and, and you don't really have defined the problems that you're solving for the customer. Uh, you maybe you might have defined uh, the output, the the features that should be shipped at this specific date. And I see you mm. all guys nodding, there you, know, you can see that in the, the podcast here. But that that sort of situation. What uh, uh, what has seems successful is to get the research going in any way mm. you can. You kind of have to do it. Get the, you can call it UX research or, or customer research. Kind of have to get it, get that going either you can get, get it approved or you can of just do it. <laughs> and then, then, uh, for example, here, we, we uh, did a major study with uh, several users and buyer roles in one large customer company. Um, and that uh, eventually, after some time, led to a change in dynamics in in, in this uh, part of our decision where we could, where the design team could show evidence of, okay, this is what the customers actually need uh, in their situation, and mm. we kind of mapped out the whole process on the customer side, where our products were very small piece, oh. uh, but, but that, that led to another understanding of what was actually important to to. How would you change this this uh, big product for 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 those customers and, and and now I see after about a year or so I see the features uh, coming out based on this rich uh, research. It takes some time, yeah. but you can get stuff into the, the
0: yeah. backlog. Long term goals, definitely. So I suppose the golden triangle of of those things and a lot of the stuff that we that we said leading up to. You're giving those examples does actually tie quite well into them doesn't it is that if we have a situation where we can better educate the designers on the value of their design and we can give tangible examples to the non-designers of the value of design we can bridge that gap and to do that i suppose we need the good user research to be able to have the, that information to educate people with. And I suppose if you have someone who is a good senior UX designer, lead UX, something like that, they're going to have that experience and depth of understanding of the topic to be able to look at that research, understand it, digest it really well, and then hopefully communicate and translate it to the people on the design team and on the business side. So I suppose really you need all three of them in an ideal situation, don't you? And um, I guess that's something that I guess that's something that you need someone in a senior position to think of in the first place to hire all of those things. <laughs> but it seems uh it seems like that's kind of the golden triangle, really, of, of aiding the situation. Um, I'd quite like to turn our attention, um, whilst I'm conscious of the time, to focusing on something a little bit more positive, which is something that Alex actually um I think mentioned when we were talking the other day. And I think Adrian may have also actually touched on it, which is the very, very powerful, positive benefits of when these two things do align. And actually, I think Adrian put it really well. He said to me that when design has boundaries, actually, it can gather a lot more momentum. Um, Can you expand on that a little bit more? It really resonated with me.
4: I think I would go even further, is that uh, creativity without boundary cannot exist. Altogether, you are creative when you have, Problems to solve when you have, uh, mm. yeah, when you have boundaries. Basically, you need to find a solution. Look at uh, when uh, we had the first uh, lockdowns uh, all over the world. At mm. The nobody was prepared. Everyone had to become creative to put like a uh, to to create a somewhat of a real life at home. Uh, mm. I think very interesting moments. Um, yeah, I mean
1: to. Uh... Creative. Now, I mean, it's about solving a problem. But uh, I guess uh, to get some constraints, you need to uh, explore the problem and define the problem.
4: Yeah. Yes. You need clear expectations to to bring in creativity. Uh, I, I mean, I, I like to say that the more resources you have, the less creative you are, you tend to be. Uh, because you don't need to. Yeah. So, so that's a key.
0: very good point.
4: So, uh, so yes, I think set up for, for the creativity, you need to create the setup to have clear expectations on where to go, where to be creative. I think you mentioned that, Alex, earlier in this podcast. Uh, and, yeah, creating trust as well for the team to be creative. I think that's very important. Uh, mm-hmm. Create the space, not to jump into conclusion too fast, uh, not judging, uh, to let everyone be able to feel, to, to put themselves on spot and be verbal, And then after that, uh, having the courage to apply uh, creativity. That's an step into uh, taking that.
3: But, but yeah. is it, is it, uh, is it uh, boundaries or is it like uh, the goal that is needed? Because, for example, uh, you could think of uh, probably some workshops that you've been in and you have the goal to come up with an innovative new solution and you have 30 minutes to go crazy. And there is, there is no boundaries really when you are being creative in that point. However, you have the goal and you, and you have the start point basically. However, mm. I might be contradicting myself because I've always thought it, uh, thought that I, uh, I don't like functioning within a box. However, once I, uh, now, now that I understand the importance of having goals, uh, it's It's more about the process than boundaries for me, so right. it's uh it's about having a process in place to be creative, uh, which might create boundaries. Um, but yeah, maybe I've just contradicted myself uh while <laughs> while saying this.
1: Uh, I'm thinking here about, I mean, I think it's uh, important to be creative uh, together uh, as a team or or with different roles in the organization or or in this. You have the business side and you have the tech side and and you have uh, have the user side of things. So you can kind of do this in one go uh, and uh, come together on this uh, so you can actually Mm. Uh, be creative about the right things and and, and also i mean yeah uh, i think it can be creative to, to come up with ideas but then you need to kind of uh, match them and put them into the scientific method and uh, mm. you know define the hypothesis and then define a way to test it but you so you yeah. can actually have some progress with with uh, those great great ideas and but maybe were not so great. They were fun to come up with, but uh, just only (laughs) one that actually works.
0: Yeah. I think that the use of the word routine there is quite interesting because really by routine, what we usually mean is a set of boundaries. And, you know, when we're working within design, especially product design, we talk so much about the importance of a design system, which is essentially a a set of boundaries and it's usually aligned with a certain goal. And actually... I think as designers, we, I agree, Alex, but as creatives, a lot of the time we want to say, you know, we don't want to be put into a box. We don't function well in a box. But then actually, when somebody rephrases that box into a creative way that we understand and calls it a design system, we're like, oh yeah, design systems are great. We definitely need them. (laughs) But it's essentially the same thing. And the use of the word routine there is really interesting to me because I think uh, a routine has a very similar effect creatively, like in your work and just in life in general, actually. And it really frees up a lot of space in your head, I think, to be creative when you're not having to give your energy and headspace into thinking about the process or the goal. You just know you're moving this way. And whilst you're not giving your headspace to having to figure out which direction to go in, it means that you can do an awful lot else with your headspace, actually. Does that make sense to everyone? Or really like the use of the word routine there I,
1: it makes sense to i'm sorry adrian
4: no no go for it yeah. no, no, I, yeah. I uh i think yeah
1: i the i think a lot of this creativity is is kind of based on the advertising industry from way back when where you you didn't really have media like we have today you had a a few television channels and you had uh, uh, newspapers or or magazines to advertise in. so there was uh, uh, and then you needed creativity which was more free in a way to kind of break the boundaries to get the attention uh, at all You, Mm. you needed to make that ad, that, that television uh, ad that stood out when people were not really watching uh, or looking for interesting information. You, need, you needed to get people's attention.
0: Yeah. But today it,
1: it doesn't work like that at all. It's totally uh, changed uh, in, in a number of ways. So, so you can have a design uh, system makes it possible to be creative about uh, how you compose the view or what sort of feature you should be building and it, it's a lot faster you can't mm. really be creative about the, the colors that you picked or the typefaces every day so
0: yeah
1: so, so. yeah so it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of uh, creativity you you, you uh, have to be aware of uh, the process that you're in on the situation directory in, in a new way you can't be totally free and break the boundaries every day
0: yeah, for sure, for sure. And Adrian, did you have some experience with
4: that? Uh, yeah, I think you, I'm still stuck on the the constraints, uh, the vision and so on. And I think
0: that
4: yeah. why, why I came with this idea the first time is like I started my career in advertising. And uh, the idea was to be as creative, thinking can lions, thinking prices, creativity for the sake of creativity and so on. Mm. And my biggest dream back then is my worst nightmare today. It was to have a brief that was, there is no boundary. Be creative. Well, up until you get those briefs, what as you like? Just be as well as you want and so on. Well, those are the real nightmares to me. Because right? you don't know where you're going. Uh, people tend to not know what they want, but they understand what they see, think that they don't want that. And that's those mm. are... Most horrible project to me. <laughs> yeah. I I, uh,
1: I agree 100%. If you get you have free hands, uh, you can do whatever you want. You never have that. It just means that the brief is not. They haven't put the, some, the, enough work into the brief. So you don't have the constraints that you actually need to. What would be a valid valid solution to this problem? You you cannot have to know that uh, upfront somehow
0: yeah otherwise you'll find
1: out when you present your ideas and they say no no, no we can't do this that you, you
3: can go on forever yeah i, I want to bring emir into the uh conversation but i just wanted to say that i agree uh, with both of you too <laughs> <laughs> no thank yeah, you no, for that think... alex <laughs> sorry yeah, i just go gonna on.
2: <laughs> quickly add um no i think it's interesting how creativity might mean different things within different industries and you gave mm. the example of you know advertising and uh, I think in product a lot of the time um, you might find it in different places for example, you know setting your own process, defining your team process, how uh, mm-hmm. your team communicates to one another, how do you communicate outwards with the uh, you know other teams within uh, other domains uh, upstream perhaps um, you know I think as designers we are natural problem solvers and When we see an imbalance, when we see a problem, uh, we put on the hat, and I think um, it's good to keep that mentality and you know stretch ourselves um, into maybe roles and you know uh, responsibilities that might not be immediately uh, obvious to us as designers. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think if there is a at least within a team level, if there is a problem where um you know creativity um is the issue or um it could be anything really um i think it's designers are best equipped to fix that Uh, we have the knowledge of and the how to to uh, bring everyone together uh to do the research to do the discovery work to do you know to host the workshop to come up with solutions um Mm. and yeah and i think you know that within itself uh, can be a quite creative process.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And this is in no way a paid sponsorship <laughs> for all the listeners out there, but I do feel compelled to uh, to tell the four of you and anyone listening who has this problem. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the book, Creative Confidence, um, but it is essentially a book about how you can bring creativity into, any role. Um, and I think the example that they may actually give on the back of the book is uh, that even an accountant has space for creativity in their work. And I think if this is something that you're that you're struggling with that you want to do a bit more thinking into, um then that is that is a really, really good book to look into. That what you were just saying there, Amir, really I think um, that book would resonate quite a lot with anyone who is sort of thinking along those lines and how really creativity can be you know extended into so many more areas of life than kind of the design work that people sometimes think of it as in in their minds. So it's a really valid point. I think a lot of people could be more creative than they realize. They just don't necessarily think of creativity as anything but, but drawing if they haven't done it since school, right? But you're completely right. It extends to so many different things. Um, There's one point that I I wanted to end on. Um, Hopefully it will lead us to ending on a positive note. Um, Amir, I'm wondering if you can kind of expand on it a little bit. So I know that we have all kind of agreed prior to today when I've been talking to you guys that the biggest downside really of when these two values don't align is that obviously we don't have the innovation to drive forward the business growth and on the other side, we have very stagnant designers who have kind of lost their creative momentum. And so if we find ourselves in that situation as people working in the design department, does anyone have any ideas or experiences on how we can kind of kickstart that flow again? Um, Amir, have you kind of had some experience with this recently? I know it's something that we briefly touched on.
2: Um, Yeah, I have experienced that recently and I'm happy to hear from, uh, you know, the guests um, today. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I mentioned this earlier. If designers, uh, developers, whoever, you don't, if you do not feel that you are uh, making a um, valuable contribution towards a product, solving a problem, um, then I think we do become stagnant and we do become bored. And, uh, you know, and that's why you see people leaving their jobs. Um, I think. It's, it's important um, to protect that. It's, it's, it's important to protect the mindset of uh, just solving problems. And, and I, I know a lot of designers are passionate for the work that they do. When you mm. ask other professions, other people in different professions, I doubt they will say, you know, I love, this is my passion. Mm. And I, I think there is a definitely imbalance between designers and the rest of the world. Um, hmm. And I'm happy to see a, a <laughs> sort of research on that. But um, because of that, because it sometimes it can become so entangled with uh, who we are uh, from a personal level. And it's important for me to be able to protect it and uh, kickstart it again when you uh, get into a ditch. And I'd be happy to hear from uh, the rest of you uh, to see if there is anything that uh, you can suggest.
0: Adrian I saw you nodding along there sorry did you uh did you have something to (laughs) jump in on that
4: no but I mean that resonates a lot and I think it's like also seeing seeing the impact that I have as a designer uh, that could come through just uh, seeing my ideas get to life Uh, Mm. not just staying as a as a concept and never seeing it again. So then you you lose. So I, I totally agree with everything you said. Uh, I think he's also making it tangible uh, of the results. Uh, mm. Something that goes out uh, in the world that you can see and show brag a bit, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, for sure, for sure. Alex, you're you're quite um, into your innovative concepts and wanting to always try new things, and you're also quite ambitious. Is that something that you've sort of had to find the balance with in the past, or anything that you've struggled with?
3: Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I don't think I'd be doing my job if I said the solution is to just hire a consultant from Conversionista. <laughs> but uh, no, no, no. Uh, I think it's just uh, making sure you get enough space uh to fulfill your like uh creative um battery mm-hmm. um uh because uh, like i think creativity is generally a, like a very human in- instinct we all have it as children uh and it kind of gets like uh washed out of us as you grow up and get put through the motions of education systems uh then life hits you and then work and you get to yeah so i think it's an intrinsic human Uh, value having creativity. So uh, for businesses to get it right, it's about giving space to their um, employees and their colleagues. Uh, It's about having processes in place for clear communication and transparency. And um, I think Adrian touched upon it as well. It's uh, it's about building trust between those uh, who are the decision makers Mm. uh, and those who are the doers. Uh, who are doing the day-to-day tasks, taking the actions. And it's about bridging bridging that gap, basically, and bringing, I think Anders mentioned it too, bringing them together mm. to take time to actually talk, communicate, come up with ideas. And um, finally, I guess, uh, which I thought I'd never say, it's about delivering results too. Because I think uh, when you deliver results, uh, you, you uh, actually create space for yourself to be even more creative because you have built that trust um so that's that's me signing out
0: (laughs) alex's teenage self is turning his grave right now hearing that (laughs) delivering results i bet you never thought you'd say that one (laughs) no it's so true though and i think um coming back to what you were talking about earlier about you know developing that maturity to appreciate that fact you know i think that really resonates with a lot of us once we get that little bit further into our careers and yeah I completely agree. I know what you mean, though. As creatives, you always start off in a place where you <laughs> you don't think that will be a value. Anders, um, sorry, take take it away.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I uh, I agree with uh, Alex here that uh, creativity is, uh, is a uh, intrinsic human. Uh, Kids are creative uh, as hell. Uh, sorry, mm. got to edit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but but so, uh, I think. And it's a lot more fun being a designer and being creative if your ideas are relevant. So, and, and this is in a way no fun, but you have to get it from the customers and uh, do your research and understand the context that you're, you're and, and have the relationships with the people that you're presenting to, so that they actually trust you enough to see that you have a, a solution to uh, the common problem that you're trying to mm-hmm. solve. Then it's uh, great fun to be a designer because. Of uh it's a great profession and, and, and I really love it. But you have to find a way to be relevant in, in the business that you're in.
0: Yeah, amazing. I love that. That's a really positive note to end on that it's great to be a designer and you really love it. That I don't think anyone could really sum it up much better than that. So thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking with me about this topic today, guys really, really appreciate your time. I appreciate all the thought that you've put into it and all of your insights. It's been super interesting to hear your kind of personal experiences with it and just see you guys kind of share and problem solve together. It's always a great process to kind of watch happen. And it's the reason that I do the job that I do because of this part. I really love it. And it's also fun that you brought up that lockdown brought out a lot of creative projects because that's literally where this podcast came from. So (laughs) thank you, COVID, I guess. So before we end the podcast, I'd like to say thanks so much to all our guests for sharing their thoughts in today's conversation. Once again, our guests on today's podcast have been Anders, Amir, Alex, and Adrian. And if you or anyone that you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message. I'm Hannah, and you can find me on LinkedIn, or you can email me at Hannah.holoed at evolution-nordics.com, or you can visit us at evolutionjobs forward slash se forward slash nordics. So thanks again to all of our guests and thank you for listening. This is my last podcast of 2022. So thank you so much to you guys for making it such a fun one. And thank you to all of our listeners. And I hope that I'll talk to you all soon in the new year. Thank you guys.